Let's have some fun here, David. Over the next couple of segments, we'll be joined by a very special guest. I'm guessing live from the Muser's Bunker, the great Gordon Keith. Gordon. Yeah. Gordon on the ticket. Indeed. There he, there he is. is. Is this the first time along. you've done? That sounds like a pilot error on y'all's end. Yeah, probably is. I think it was. Who's running the board? We have Jay. Hey Jay. Hey Jay. He's ner- he's nervous. It's talk, okay. talk to Wait, Gordon. Why is he nervous? Talk to Gordon, Jay. I brought him up. He sounds good. I think we're all good here. Ooh, very oh. defensive. <laughs> I think we're all good. Very here. defensive. <laughs> Not very confident either. Not a confident voice. Does Jay have a large presence on your show? On air presence. It's more of an off-air presence. He kind of tells uh-huh. us what to do. His, like, his hey. contribution's more implied yes. than anything else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We usually bring him on when when something's going wrong and we have to question him. Um, is this the I first? I support you, Jay. All right, there you go. Thank you, Gordon. Oh, that was a little <laughs> shaky. Too. I think we just go to the bathroom and let Jay and Gordon yeah. do the next two segments. They got <laughs> great. great chemistry. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> I don't have good chemistry with anyone. Is this the first the first time you've done Sunday morning broadcasting? I doubt it. I mean, I've been at the station for 58 years, so I've probably been on Sunday morning before. I remember when you when we first moved over to the studio, you jumped on just to check to see if the mics were working and just were taking calls from from <laughs> listeners. And I think that's some of my favorite kind of stuff is just the most impromptu percentage of people up here. Or was it? That was right before like game five of the 2011 Mavs championship. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There's yeah, Cray Hey, He's also on our show. Yes. <laughs> on that with KT. You remember old yeah. KT? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he played, uh, I think I forced him into an impromptu character of adolescent Jesus <laughs> or something like that. There was some weird story out of it. But yeah, we basically did rant type radio to test those mics that night. It was fun. And I think that's the that's the best kind of weekend programming is just the off the cuff stuff like we we've heard you talk about going into the rant without any kind of plan like I, I know y'all talked about that at ticket stock during the the rant slash orphanage um roundtable that you guys did mm-hmm. and mino and i have talked about that before and just going into any kind of broadcast situation without a plan just scares the crap out of us and i don't know yeah. if that just is something you've always been comfortable with but it scares us no it's not advisable yeah I mean, like you couldn't get away with that during the week in morning drive or, you know, any of the weekday shows. I don't think you can do that. But since that was a weekend show and we all had regular gigs throughout the week, I think we felt a lot more comfortable to make that just an, an improv couple hours of experimental audio fun. How much of that was like, would you talk a day or so before the show and say, hey, I've, we kind of want to go in this direction or would it just basically all be you show up that morning and, okay, we're going to start on one thing and improv and move on to the next? How much thought going into the show did you have? Did you have like a rundown of it or was it like, okay, we're just going to go? Well, it probably had more thought than your question. Yes, it did. Um, <laughs> that was very off the cuff. And, and we had no thought. So that kind of will give you an idea of how much thought you put into that question. Yes, thank you. No, we you know, we really didn't talk ahead of time about it at all. Uh, it would be, you know, we'd show up maybe 15 minutes before the show started, 
and maybe we would discuss a plan then. I don't know. Maybe we should get Gen X Davy to pop on then, uh, pop on now to kind of tell us about back then. But I don't remember us ever really planning things out days in advance. I don't think that ever happened. I think we would just plan it as the show went along. We'd say, you know, hey, I want to do this next segment. I want to talk about this news story and this news story. And then usually we would start on those news stories and it would get to fishtailing and we'd go through some ridiculous, absurd digression. And the way it worked, it's interesting. I, I started seeing this. I don't know whether it's a noted writing tech thing, but I would see it in the Curb Your Enthusiasm type episodes or even Seinfeld type episodes where you have three different elements that somehow weave together at the end of the show. And a lot of times we would do that on the rant based on the digressions, you know, like maybe Adolescent Jesus appeared somehow in the first segment. And then we had uh, the rat that ate off an infant's face in the... In the third segment, and then by the sixth segment, we'd have another one that would bring all the three, uh, you know, those two elements along with a new one together. It was it was great when it worked. It was really funny and fun to do when it worked. But then there were a lot of times where I think we were probably on the air and just nothing was going on. There had to have been the experience of 50% of the time the listener was thinking, why am I listening to this? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me think of... Whenever you said that Corby and Davey like went off into a studio to do a bit, isn't that unstable? It came back two hours later and practically had two hours. nothing. <laughs> two hours, I was having to vamp <laughs> to get to their home run bit that they were going to debut as they prepared it in the production room during the show, and it came back and it was the worst bit of noise pollution you ever heard. What was it? Oh, it was like some crash in the show, right? Yeah, we started the show, and there was this news story about some children's train. It was like at a kid's zoo, you know, those little trains that'll go around the zoo. And they have miniature cars and everything, and a little, you know, kind of a fat middle-aged man who's the conductor wearing the outfit in the front car and carrying the kids around the zoo. The news story was that this one in St. Louis had gotten out of control and had derailed. And so they were going to create some audio to support this news story. Like we couldn't understand the news story based on just the words. Right. We need to hear a reenactment need, yes, to fully get the needed, impact. Right, right. <laughs> it needed to be illustrated with audio. And so they went into a production studio and they were going to recreate the, <laughs> the derailment of the children's <laughs> zoo train. And it was just, they added nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was just cheap production value. It was absolutely devoid of any jokes. Like, there was nothing clever. They'd not, uh, they'd not even planned one joke in this thing. It was, hey, kids, look at, those, uh, look, at the, look at the funny zebras. Okay, now then look over here. There's, there's some funny other animals over here. And there's some funny. Oh, no, we're picking up speed. Oh, my goodness, I think we're going to derail. Oh, just be careful, kids. We're going to derail. And it went like that for about four minutes. Oh, my gosh. Just with an elephant in the background? Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was whatever sound effects they could muster up. Somehow those those animals got written into the bit. And they spent two hours <laughs> two making Two full that. hours. Oh, my goodness. As I'm on the air just reading the dictionary. I was going to say, are you just like, well, 
Whenever we get this hilarious bit from Corby and Davey, we'll play it. Until then, here's more. Here's more ABBA. I wonder if it's in there. Is the see if you get train derailment in the Inco or whatever the system is we're using now. What's it called? Opex. 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 Yeah. So Jay's looking. He's working. Jay's hard. on it. Then he'll be on the air. To There's tell no us his way. Findings. There's no way it's in there. Seeing as how our show suffers the most with going to look for audio and it's not there. We got to do so, like bad radio and back up everything you've ever done onto a hard I drive. I think those guys are genius for doing that because we have, it seems like probably maybe 20% of our audio output is preserved, which is probably a good thing. Actually. I was say, it's the 20% you want to keep though. I think I is hope. the ideal. I'm sure there's a lot of things we wouldn't want to keep. But Do you have a favorite bit that is just absolutely lost forever? Uh. Actually, I do, but it's not related to radio, so that probably doesn't answer your question. Okay, that, that's an answer. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, there was I, <laughs> I was an that is an answer in the it was probably the late '90s. I was also had a TV gig over at Channel Eleven, and for one of my segments, I got to interview David Letterman, who was my hero. Yeah, he was my idol back in the day, and it's. It's probably hard for, I don't know if, how many people remember Letterman, but, and the people that remember him may remember him from CBS, which is why I was interviewing him, because he was moving over to CBS, I think, or he was having his five-year anniversary of moving over to CBS, something like that. But the NBC Letterman was absolute genius. I mean, it was, he was incredible in his early days. So he was my idol, and I got to interview him, and it's the one thing from my time at channel 11 that i don't have i've got like every other thing that i did there except for when i got to interview david letterman and i made him laugh i remember that was a the biggest thrill for me that's got to be a high point right that and meeting steve martin so many years ago oh yeah steve martin that was a huge one to meet him and steve martin one was kind of cool i think that one's online because i I think it's on the unticket tweeting that out um but Steve Martin had had the unusual distinction there of him asking for another minute for me from the publicist. Because, you know, when you interview those guys for movies, there's like a really strict schedule. Yeah. That you have, hey, you have four minutes to sit down with Mr. Martin, and then you go. And then a, you leave, and another reporter sits down in your chair, and then they interview him for four minutes. It's a junket. It's what they call it. And and Steve asked the publicist, said, hey, give him another minute. Because I started asking a question. They said I was out of time. And that was a huge thrill for me going because I heard from Steve Martin's cousin on that who actually listens to us and she lives in town here. And she goes, you don't understand. That's unprecedented for Steve to ask for an extra minute of a junket. You know, actors hate those things. So that was a thrill for me that Steve asked for an extra minute. Is there any other comedic icons or I guess any kind of icon from your youth that you have yet to meet? Oh, yeah. Um, Harrison Ford. Okay. Harrison Ford, I came very close to Harrison Ford once. I was in Los Angeles. I call it L.A. for oh, short. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. But I was in Los Angeles, uh, L.A., interviewing some other actors for some movie, and I don't remember which one it was. But while I was there, this particular hotel, it's the Four Seasons, Four Seasons in Beverly Hills, they do a lot of the press junkets there for movies that are coming out. And so that's where you go to interview the actors to promote their work. And I found out that while I was there, another junket that was going on was for 
some Harrison Ford movie. Was it Cowboys and... And Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens. Was he in that? Yes. I don't know why that's sounding familiar, but anyway. Trey says yes. So maybe it was that one. And so he was there doing a junket. And my idol, all-time idol, is Indiana Jones. And I also loved Han Solo. He was my guy in the first Mm -hmm. few Star Wars. And so he's always been on my list of people that I wanted to meet in an interview. And uh, found out that they have a junket there. And I went over to the junket. People said, Beg, is there any way you guys have an extra spot in this junket where I can interview and promote this wonderful film, Cowboys versus Aliens, that I love so much <laughs> that I'll always title. remember its title. <laughs> and uh, they said, no, no, we're all full up. We can't do it. And so I was rejected. Oh. And I remember walking over to the, because they just happen in regular hotel rooms. Like they'll rent out the floor. Or yeah. half a floor of the hotel room, and so some of the rooms, and they'll set up cameras and lights in them and so on for make a studio space in there. So I walked outside the door that had his name taped up on it where he was doing the interviews, and I could hear him in there talking and just realizing that, man, I'm 15 feet away from Indiana Jones. And that was the closest I ever got. So he's, and he's getting older, so I doubt I'll ever get a chance to interview him. But, but that's one that I wish I would have interviewed. I did get to interview Steve Martin was always on my list and I got to interview him. Bill Murray's always been on my list. I've not interviewed him. I think that you need to pull for for Harrison Ford the bit that Sasha Baron Cohen did in his movie Bruno, which I don't know if you've seen that, but that's one I didn't see that one with the bike. It's one of the more wild movies he's ever he's ever put out. But he's like a a a a gay Austrian reality TV star, something like that, and uh and he keeps teasing in one of his programs his exclusive interview with Harrison Ford. And he keeps teasing it, and he keeps teasing it, and he finally gets to his world exclusive with, with Harrison Ford. And it's him running up to Harrison Ford in the middle of the night on the street, and Harrison Ford just yells at him to F off. <laughs> really? And that's his exclusive <laughs> with Harrison Ford. <laughs> that's about his... Hey, I interviewed Michael Jordan that way one time. I... I think I just shouted a question at him at a gangbang, and he looked at me and I think was very put off by me. Rick Carlisle <laughs> told me to F off one time. Oh, Are they that's, the... That's the, a rite of passage. The, who's the most difficult you've had to deal with? There were two... No, there were three interviews that I've had that I think did not go so well, TV-wise. I probably had a lot of them radio-wise, but TV-wise, uh, Brendan Fraser... I remember his publicist stopped the interview, and that was it for me. What could you be asking <laughs> Brendan Fraser that would be so bad? You know, it was very strange. I, I tripped over a wire that I didn't see. I, I asked him, what was the, I think it was, what is the oldest woman you've kissed or something? You know, like biggest age difference. Yeah. And I guess that was a no-go zone for his publicist and... And Brendan looked put out by that, too. Well, how old was his publicist? Could she perhaps <laughs> been the answer? Yeah, maybe it was her. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know. She looked, you know, she was regular aged, whatever that means. And then there was, mm, I remember Emma Roberts, when I star of Emma Roberts movies, you know her? Yeah, from all the great Emma yeah. Roberts stuff. Uh, I remember she just... She was one that just didn't seem all that, I don't know. Most of these actors are really nice. You would think that 
we hear these Hollywood tales of actors are so entitled and they're jerky and they order people around and they're just, you know, grumpy and they don't have time for the common folk and on all that. And I've never had that experience with them. They, but all of them seem to be like regular people who are really nice. You know, they just have that job. Emma Roberts, eh, she was more like that stereotype felt. And maybe she was having a bad day and a grumpy day, but she just kind of, I don't know. Well, she I'd had like a junket. That, interview again. that yeah, seems like he would beat them down as the junkets. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I expected half of them to be grumpy and and poor acting during a junket because that's a beating. But they all seem to be in fairly decent moods, uh, except for, I don't know, she just, I don't know if she just didn't like being there that day or if she felt sick or whatever. But I've interviewed other sick celebrities. I remember Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried. Yeah. She was feeling sick when I interviewed her, and she was sweet as could be. She was great. All right, it is 10-12. This is the ticket. Let's uh, let's have some more fun next with Gordon Keith and Jay. Has the fun started yet? Oh, this next. is Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, The Ticket. Good morning. It's work in progress. Mino and Monty here with you to 11. We are joined by the great Gordo. We want to have some fun with some hypotheticals with Gordo. Um, we had this one. Right. Oh, yeah, always back to hypotheticals. We ran this one by junior a few weeks ago this is one that i don't know how me and justin started it i think we we came up with it five years ago or so but if i want to know your strategy if you take this if you say yes to it so you have an infinite amount of money you're super rich super powerful thank you for knowing that. very yes uh very in shape everybody loves you you can do whatever you want but your one weakness is the only thing that can kill you is there is one slug, his name is Phil, there is one slug that every day he gets more knowledge, and his one mission is in life is to find you, and once he touches you, you die. Do you take this, and what is your strategy to it? Okay, so this is a, a you're talking about like a slug. Like a yes, little... yes, and he can't move, what like he they? gets, they're he gets insects, what are they? It's bugs. Yeah, they're not. They're they're insects. Insects. I think they're in, insects. They're not mammals. I know. I know that. Are I know slugs mammals? I, did you think you would think uh, Google slugs, that today? Mammals. They're not birds. <laughs> they're not birds. What a Norm. stoner conversation that is. <laughs> uh, I they're, guess they're, they're not mammals. I know mollusks. Mollusks. Okay. Yeah. What are mollusks? I think mollusks. I think most of them have anim- shells. Animals, right? Yeah, they kind of have shells. They're they're. They're not mammals. Well, we're discussing what Phil is. He's inching closer. Yes. Okay. So here's the... So what you got to do first is you have to be sitting in the middle of a blinding white concrete parking lot. And you have to wait for this slug to approach. Because you need to know where he is. You need to get initial position on him. So once you see him approaching you, and you know that when he touches you, what happens to you again? You die. And the thing, okay. the caveat is the slug is immortal, you so you kill cannot it. kill him. Right. Or her. So, so yeah, you got to be able to identify where that slug is in the world initially, right? Because then you can hop on the flight and get but, out of there and so realize and calculate his time. When you're in this parking lot, are you going to know for sure that it's him? How can you 
100% with certainty Believe know it's him. Me, it will be the one slug that's <laughs> making a slug trail. No matter you. where you turn, it's snail trails after you, okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when was the last time you sat in the middle of a parking lot and saw a slug making a beeline for you? What's today, Saturday? Yeah. I guess, I don't know. Today's Sunday. You might have to sit there for (laughs) months, years. That's a beating. And every day, this slug is getting smarter. So he's, he might have, yeah, he gets smarter every single day. What does that mean? He's gaining knowledge of how to get you. He's taking online courses. Yes, and he could be. But he can gain all the knowledge that he wants. He still is limited because he's a slug. With movement, yes, but he might find a way to interact with his other slugs to create a diversion. Say, hey, okay, I'm yes, going to roll but up his on you. Other slugs are not gaining knowledge. That's true. They're still completely stupid. So <laughs> he could develop high level language capabilities, but he has no vocal cords and no way of communicating to the other slugs. He could understand nuclear fission, but what can he do about it? Nothing. Okay, so you well, you identified him in the parking lot. Right. You throw a piece of Tupperware over him. Mm-hmm. What's your next move? I think you wait down the Tupperware because he can't get out of there. Right? He's He'd find immortal. a way. He's immortal. You say, you say he's immortal, but you're not killing him. You're just containing him. So I would. Uh, I think you put the Tupperware over him. And then you start building a slug-proof structure around him. <laughs> Just a bunch of... I guess salt mm-hmm. wouldn't matter to him. But. And then after that, I feel like you would you would be second-guessing that. You might feel super confident once you see who you think is Phil in this open parking lot. Mm-hmm. And you build your, your trap. You put your Tupperware over him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you pour salt on him. That's not going to... And he pretends like he's uh he pretends like he's dead. Yeah, I yeah, guess that I doesn't mark. kill him. But I know that he's immortal, so I, I won't buy that. I but, think that I think that you will obviously put a webcam on him, so you can always make sure that he's still in his slug-proof structure. You put a GoPro in the Tupperware. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you strap a GoPro to his little slug head. <laughs> I feel like you would just always be living in fear because even if you set that up and then. You get on an airplane and fly to Bora Bora. You get there and you check the webcam. You still see the slug there. You would have second guesses of, okay, sure. is, this, is this the right one? What if he and took then a you picture? would just get in your head of, okay, I think I got to check my luggage. Yes, Was that you, slug on the plane? You would have doubts, but you have to reason yourself out of those doubts. You know, you have to say, yes, I can second guess this. But the bottom line is, it's like, what's our chance of dying of heart disease? Well, that's like a 20% chance. The chance of the slug getting out and actually killing you after you've built a slug-proof sculpt, uh, structure, it's got to be, what, 1%? Yeah, and I think but you we can But we don't walk around it. worried about heart disease all the time. Yeah, we're going to walk around worried about the half a percent that the slug is going to get us. I still eat hamburgers a lot. And everything you do to prevent yourself from the slug touching you, you'd have to do it all by yourself. Because if you told anybody the story, they would think you're just absolutely insane. Yeah, but you're right. going to have so many yes men because you have all that money that, that you could tell them. You anything. could buy them off, yeah. Yeah. They'd, all, they'd be, you know, hey, Gordon, you, <laughs> you read about the slug or today? You've been, you checked the, the slug cam? They'd play into my delusion. Your slug secret service that you mm-hmm. hired to keep yes. you <laughs> protected. Um, I'd give them all whatever it is, TCB. What is the? TCBY? Elvis? Yeah, Elvis loved Froyo. <laughs> This can't be. They gave everyone TCBY necklaces. 
rings. Yeah, I think you may be able to prove that the slug that chased you in the parking lot is the actual slug because if you poured salt on it and it did not die, correct, then boom, you know it's him. But I, I would think be it would worried. Fake its death. I think the the chop the, it in half. Then this slug is so smart that it knows you're trying to trap it, so it's going to send in decoy slugs. But how does it have the ability to send in decoy slugs when other slugs are not as smart as it? Because slugs can communicate, right? Oh my God. Like all would, animals can <laughs> communicate with yes. each other. It'll sniff all the other animals slug. can communicate with, <laughs> each with other. their own species. Put, the, put that in our promo tray. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just the slug sniffs the I other slugs. But what if you have? I don't know if that's true. What if you have a series of mind games and puzzles to put the slugs through so you can determine which is the right slug? So how would you do when, that? Just when you trap the slug, you put them in like a, a saw-like jigsaw room, and then they got to figure out. Well, then now out. you're torturing it, and well, is all that no, money worth cray, ruining cray your soul? Cray, oddly enough, even a blind hog finds an acorn every once in a while. Cray Trey's actually hit upon <laughs> something here. You determine if it's the right slug by planting yourself at the conclusion of a maze. And if that slug finds you, you know that this one is smart enough to find you through that maze. But is he going to be smart enough to know that you know it would be smart enough to get to the end of the maze, so it's not going to get to the end of the maze? Well, according to your hypothetical, he is. You say but, that the slug is incredibly smart. But is he so I, smart that you know that he knows you're trying to get him to out himself, and he won't yes. get to the end? Oh, he he will know. Okay. I think the slug would play dumb in this situation. I do too, and I think you'll know you're trying to he's, trick him. He's all about the long game. If you set him in a, in a maze, he's just going to sit there like a slug and wait for you to leave and be like, "Okay, I feel comfortable with myself now. I'm going I'm going to go sit on the beach." And then and then he's just waiting. Yeah, but you you provide only one way out. You close up the entrance as soon as he enters the maze. And he has a map. So inside the foyer of the maze, you've posted a map. And if he's smart, he can follow the map to get out of the maze. Yeah, and you see if he goes through a bunch of blind alleys and all of that sort of thing. If he does all that, you're saying that he will sandbag me and pretend like he's a dumb slug. I think yes. so. I think, I think he absolutely would. That's then what makes you, genius. You, you institute the other test. You have the little slug guillotine that chops his head <laughs> off and see if he comes back to life or not. Slug guillotine, great band name. <laughs> <laughs> this is the stuff me and Justin think about all day. Yes. But, Rather yeah. than work on the cure for cancer or anything like right. that. Right. Of course. You worry about slug hypotheticals. Yes, and every time we see a slug, it's is this Phil? Is that is that is Phil? This, is this the one? Is that, Touch is that killer Phil? <laughs> Never since we talked about Phil a few weeks ago with Junior, now every week Phil calls in and tells us where he is, which we don't know if we believe or not. But yeah, see, that's, Junior that's also very took rant-esque. it. That's very rant esque. That's very rant esque. That's what we would do. We'd take calls from Phil. And we're not a hey hundred yeah. Bora Bora. Oh, there I he think is. I've got you cornered. <laughs> He's from New York. Yeah, we don't think it's the actual Phil. We think it's a fake Phil, that it's uh-huh. it's real Phil telling his slugs. buddies. Yes. It's either a slug or a person. It's like set two or three levels down from, from real real Phil. All right, All right just, what about this hypothetical? Okay. Would you take it uh, the hypothetical of you're Incredibly good-looking, rich, everyone loves you, you're awesome. Yes. Except that once a year, in an unexplained fashion, very publicly, you have to grab your mother or father and start making out with them <laughs> in a public space. Uh, once a year? Yes. 
Can I explain why I'm doing it? No, uh-uh. Okay, are we talking are we talking like at a Mavericks game on the Jumbotron or a, Kiss a mall yeah, with strangers? Yes, it has to be in a very public place. You know, and, and don't forget, I mean, you're so well-known and you're so incredibly ingenious and good-looking. You know, I mean, you're, you're constantly having press conferences announcing that you've, you know, you, you, you've solved the, the million-year battery problem and you've... <laughs> you know, actually nailed down quantum mechanics and come up with a unified field theory that merges that with general relativity. So you're having all these press conferences. So those would be good opportunities for you to do the grabbing too. Like right after you announce that cure for cancer. Right, to get the Nobel you say, Prize. I'm so happy. <laughs> and you reach over to your mom and by the neck and just grab her and you <laughs> start seeing your uh, slug tongue like start intertwining. <laughs> so is this the only dirt you have on you? Because I think if that's it, you know, if you think of everything up, they could ever, all the you know, old tweets or something. If if you have something bad in your past that could be brought up, yeah. The only this dirt on you is bad. that you make out with your mom. Yeah, that's going to be a huge. But it's thing. not like a. This isn't like a Michael Jackson type. Dude, thing. if it's, once a year Elon Musk started making out with his yeah, mom, it, it'd that'd be, be the first be thing weird. we talked about. Be surprised. It'd be weird, but it's that would not lead his obituary, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. And yeah, you would definitely get Kemp spend. If that would be, it'd be odd, but it's not criminal, is what I'm saying. You don't have any. Right, odd me too. It's not criminal, but it's it's a hard to explain quirk and yeah. personality. Wouldn't those things kind of kind of like work against each other? Like the first time you started making out with your dad in the middle of the NBA finals, <laughs> wouldn't everyone loving you probably start to wane? Yes, but you still have the everybody still will love That's you because it's part I mean, of the hypothetical. People, so I you don't that, lose. Well, anything. I think that people will. They have to get over it. I mean, it's not an unnatural. The hypothetical doesn't force people to love you. They love you because of how great you are and all the great accomplishments. Guy, huh? So, so this will damage your reputation. But you've got to count on the fact that a lot of people will say, you know, I mean, yeah, he makes out with his dad at the NBA Finals, but <laughs> he did cure cancer. I mean, I guess we got to take it in balance, right? Just every year they're doing the pro con on list balance. of you, and the only cons that you make out with your dad for fifteen minutes a year. <laughs> I mean, if Woody, yeah, as your dad keeps it? grabbing your hand as you you're trying to, to get to third away. base with him, yeah, <laughs> he keeps taking your hand and moving it back up. Oh, yeah, if, if Woody <laughs> Allen, breast. Woody Allen married his daughter, then uh, well, I think if actually you, an oversimplification <laughs> of what happened. But. I think if you cure cancer, I think people will. Look, I think this will be okay. So if I could cure cancer. I don't know. If Woody Allen cured cancer right now, do you think that everyone would say, oh, okay. Mm. We like you now. That's different, though. That's a what if he daughter compared to, to dad. What if Corona's gone tomorrow? You cure, cure Corona, but yep. you make out with your mom and dad. Or mom or dad. Not both. Just one. You know that would be said well, little... Not like a triple kiss. It's a... You don't want to make it a devil's three-way now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So I, that wasn't my hypothetical. I had other ones. <laughs> Wait, Can let me I, get this straight. You're, you call it a devil's three-way, not because of the fact that you're mom and dad, but because there's two males and one female. Adds a little okay. heat to it. Right, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these rapid fire at you, Gordo. Okay, all right. All right, would you rather for the rest of your life only be able to watch black and white television or listen to music at an uncomfortably low volume. So it's always like where you can barely make out the lyrics, barely hear the instruments, or only watch black and white television. Mm. 
I think I'll take the music at an uncomfortably low volume. Oh, that's just such a beating when it's so low and you can barely hear it. I feel like we'd mm-hmm. probably get used to black and white after a while. It might take years. I guess that would just kind of be the new normal. Like new yeah. black and white or if it's like old-timey black and white where you can't make out anything on the screen. Uh, like old Honeymooners episodes yeah. where it's like a, a film of a film <laughs> right. that's running on a monitor somewhere. Um, <laughs> Tennescope right. or whatever. Be the best guitar player in the world, but also... No, I'm not going to do that one. Oh, come on. Um, Wait, hold on. What? Hold on a second. Let me go turn off the TV. <laughs> the black and white TV. Yeah, we can't do that. That, that one probably won't fly anymore. Um, <laughs> get a Prince Albert or have to wear flip-flops and a tank top everywhere you go. He, so he's, like, go Tim, he's turning off the TV. There he is. Gotcha. He's back. Okay, let me run this one by you again. Get a Prince Albert. You were going to do the guitarist one yeah, and probably you wisely hold skipped it. it. Yeah, I that think I'm going to pass. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Okay, get a Prince Albert or wear flip-flops and a tank top everywhere you go. Prince Albert. Okay, another one? Yeah, Prince Albert is what? When you <laughs> pierce the prepuce and then chain it to your thigh? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, like uh, like Tiger King. Oh, yeah. You have to be like Joe. Mm-hmm. All right, last one here. Okay. Would you rather have the most graphic porno video audio be your ringtone and text or once a week have to help Norm go hell bathroom. Oh, give me the the porn ringtone. It's going to be the most graphic porn audio you've ever heard, and you can't keep your phone on silent. You're like, still come taking on, Dad. It. Come on, Dad. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> we can't leave Mom out. We can't leave her out. <laughs> yeah, oh. give me give me the porn ringtone with Mom and Dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh. All right. Well, we got to go to break. Thank you, Gordon. I'm All right, not, thank you, guys. This was better than curing cancer. Yes. <laughs> yes, this was better than curing cancer. <laughs> That's the name of our show. Oh, there's the great Gordo having fun. <laughs>